Welcome to the Behind the Goals podcast, the podcast about fans, for fans and by fans. Please welcome your hosts, Andrew Jenkin and Alan Russell. Welcome to episode 24 of the Behind the Goals podcast. Um, today's a very special day for, for Andrew, as we intimated in, in last week's outro. Uh, we're going to be um, talking to one of his heroes. Um, we've got Jimmy Bone uh, joining us for the podcast today. Uh, he's going to talk about his career as a player, as a manager, but particularly focusing in on his time uh, when he up sticks, um, left Scotland and went south of the equator mm. um, and uh, and took the reins at Paradynamos in, in Zambia. Yeah, I met Jimmy a couple of years ago. We were doing a, an event at the University of Stirling and... Um, so Africa on the ball, which is the charity I mentioned before, we had a we had a flag up. Most of our work is based there in Zambia, so we had the Zambian flag up. And this gentleman approached me, and he was working for the SFA at the at the university at the time. And he said, "Oh, how was your background in Zambia?" And at the time, I didn't actually know who I was talking to. He was mm. like, "Oh, I used to manage out in Zambia," and I was like, "What?" <laughs> <laughs> yeah, got chatting. He very kindly came along to do a, a talk at a fundraising dinner that the charity had that year, and we stayed in touch since. You know, just yeah. through through. Um, linkedin and other means and um whenever i see him at events we always have a, a chat and mm. but i never knew what a fascinating career he had and mm. um i just feel like this is one of the best stories that never gets talked about in scottish football yeah and there have been scottish managers that have gone to manage in kind of obscure countries and uh-huh. i think bobby williamson's still out managing kenya he, and he is is a Uganda, I think he was with Uganda. Oh, I think right, he's okay. With Kenya now. Okay. Um, and there have been other kind of Scottish yeah. managers that have had yeah. interesting careers. But have any of them won the Cup Winners' Cup? I don't think so. Yeah. And uh, yeah. as you'll find out, Jimmy was the is the uh, was the first person to win the Cup Winners' Cup in a Southern African uh, country. And, yeah. uh, and now it's not the Cup Winners' Cup anymore. They've now got their equivalent mm-hmm. of the, the Champions League there. But you'll yeah. find out what some of the journeys he got up to whilst he was living out in Kitwe in uh, Zambia, Northern Zambia and what it was like playing and how it was different from Scotland mm-hmm. and how he got them to sing uh, Flower of Scotland uh, <laughs> in Nigeria. <laughs> so all of this to come up. Yeah. And uh, hopefully you'll enjoy it as much as I, I certainly did and hopefully you did as well, Alan. Uh, yeah, abs- absolutely did. Chatting to him about yeah. it. Yeah, on with the show. So thank you very much, Jimmy Bone, for joining us in the office today. Fantastic to have you here. We're going to start off just talking a little bit about your kind of playing career and mm-hmm. then early managerial career before getting into the bit that we're really interested in talking about, which is a bit of a lesser known story about your time in Zambia. Um, so one thing to just talk about, obviously, we can't not talk about Partick Thistle. Yeah. So yeah. you were there for how many years were you at um, Four years. It just There was something in the paper the other day. I played 160 games for mm-hmm. Partick Thistle. Mm-hmm. I was there just three and a half to four years. Is that your and first club? Yeah, that yeah. was the first club. But prior to that, uh, that I had ten trials for the, the, for various clubs, mm-hmm. and uh, I think um, all all over the country I played trials for Forfar, played trials for Hibs, uh, I played trials for Liverpool, trials oh. for Dunfermline. Oh. Th- I played three times for Stirling Albion, and every single trial game I scored <laughs> wasn't signed because I thought, oh, you're not big enough. Is that right? At that right. time. Who would you compare yourself to in the modern game as a, as a striker? Uh, well, that, that's a, that's quite a difficult one because uh, 
the way that we played it, they don't not, they don't play that way just now, mm. like because just with the one striker mm. and okay. the one in behind. As I developed, I, I I used to be the number ten, the one in behind. Mm. Right, right. But in the early years, um, I played right up through the middle. In fact, when I first went to Barrett Thistle, uh, Andy Roxburgh was one of the other strikers. In fact, mm. Coulson. Oh, right. And Andy Roxburgh says, he says, you're not a footballer, son, you're a battering ram. Because <laughs> you used to play rugby, didn't you? Yes, I played yeah. rugby and that was, that was a big thing okay. for me. Because okay. playing the rugby, because I went to a rugby playing school, the high school of Stirling, and uh, the, the, the only football that they had there was in the, the, the Army Cadets. Mm-hmm. So I joined the Army Cadets so that at least I could right. play some uh-huh. form of football. But uh, rugby taught you how to look after yourself. Mm-hmm. And, I can imagine. Uh, I, I wasn't particularly big. Uh-huh. I was like maybe five eight, like mm. ten stone, ten and a half stone, and the, the clubs obviously thought I'd, I wouldn't have been big enough for mm. to go and play. And um, but when I went to play for Party Thistle, um, what they did is that um, they invited me to come in the, the, the night. The first game I played for them was uh, against Dunfermline mm. at East End Park, and I'd played a trial for Dunfermline against St Johnson and scored, and and um, I played for Thistle and scored in it. And the next day, I was an apprentice electrician at Flynn, uh, Paul Me Street for Colliery, and I'd came home, and the manager of Paddock Thistle, Wally Thornton, was sitting in the house with my mum having a cup of tea. <laughs> and, he's, and what he said is, that I want you to come through tonight, and I want you to play again in another game, mm-hmm. but we're going to, we'll make you an offer. Brilliant, mm-hmm. and that, that's basically what it came out. Yeah. So is that your kind of takeaway, is that, you know, if you get knocked back... Ten, mm-hmm. ten trials you took. Ten trials, yeah. yeah. So you just so, keep persisting. Yeah, well, the thing about it is, is, is it's one thing that I wanted to do. Yeah. Uh, I actually love my job uh, working as an apprentice electrician. Uh, I love that because uh, that shaped me and taught me a lot about life. It's working actually down in the cold face and in and around people who I've been brought up with in, 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 in Flynn and the mining village. Mm. So... Um, I got a lot of the, the stuff from them about being together and, you know, and you, you get everything with your hard work. And so, so that was a big, big thing, learning all the bits and pieces from them. Mm. But um, when it signed, and I, I took a couple of my pals through that night, and, and then we went, and then we signed, and it, it was something ridiculous. The, 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 the wages that they offered me was something like £14 a week part-time. I was my wages were nine and a half pounds for going and working down the pit every day. Right. Yeah. So yeah. right away, yeah. although we're not the the finance we're talking about now, right away you're saying yeah. bang. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. it was a big big deal, eh? Uh, yeah. Uh, and so how old were you when you got signed by Thistle? Eighteen. Eighteen. Yeah. Eighteen. Yeah. Um. No, but was, I really wanted to be the player, and it was nothing to do with the money. No matter what he offered me. Sure. I, I was taking it anyway, yeah, yeah, but he was yeah. being fair. He offered me what everybody else was getting, which was was really good. Yeah, I just wanted it so bad, and um, so, um, but a resilience there. Mm. So w- w- one thing I want to ask then, because I did read that you, as you say, you played a lot more rugby than you did at yeah at football at school. Yeah. I'm so school captain. You... I'm school captain at rugby. Right, I, I built up to school captain, and it, it, the thing is, the week where. Uh, I got pulled in and was told by the school that I was selected to play for Scottish schoolboys at rugby. And the same day I went home and my mum says, I've got you a job. <laughs> because she'd went and she'd obviously spoke to the people in, in the mine, uh, the, the union, and 
had to go and sit this exam, mm. uh, pass the exam, and then that was me. I was starting as an assessor. And when I first started, my wages were five pound and four shillings. <laughs> but it was a big deal because yeah. my mum was bringing up six of us on her own. Oh, yeah. wow. Yeah. So that was a big, big deal. Yeah, yeah. So me handing over that five pound to my mum was, yeah. it was a big family thing. So mm. it wasn't a decision like you stay on at school and go and play for yeah. Scotland or rugby. Yeah. That was never. Yeah. And were you the oldest of? Yeah, I was the oldest of the site. Yeah, yeah. So it taught you a lot yeah but different things yeah and how did you develop your footballing skills whilst you were playing mostly rugby then again? well the thing about it is is uh, what it is is that i didn't play regular week in week out with the team until i, uh, I was boys brigade at 15 wow really but so every playing... day okay every day yeah every day uh, over the part we whoever yeah sometimes we're two years sometimes we're 22 sometimes we're 42 mm-hmm. and you played and it didn't matter what age you played, yeah. you know. So you'd go over and you play against younger ones. You'd go over and you play against older ones, mm-hmm. and uh, the miners used to go and they used to have wee bits and pieces of bounce games and stuff. And mm-hmm. you'd go and you get invited mm-hmm. to go and play. And what happened is that uh, Flynn had a team that uh, you played on a Saturday and they played in what was called a welfare league, and uh, I, I think it was mainly for guys who um, were sort of in the middle of being pro- professional mm-hmm. and being duty and. A lot of the teams would come and, and they wouldn't have enough players. All right. Okay. And I'd get a knock on the door to come and play against the opposition. So I'd go and I'd play. And a couple of Monkles played for Flynn. And most of the teams would say, I'd just go and play in the right wing, son. Right. And I had an uncle, Monkle Tom, who played at left back and he right. used to kick me up and down the place. <laughs> <laughs> and so we'd say to him, What are you doing? You've got to learn. Uh, you must uh, learn. Uh, uh, Look after yourself. And, and he would do that. And then sometimes when they were short, I'd play with them. Mm. And that was a big, big thing. Sure. But in terms of going in the weekly thing, it was it was just a sort of... Do you think that's what the current generation of youngsters are missing out on? Just going and playing in a park and kicking yeah, it that, and yeah, doing it for the love of it? Yeah, doing it for the love of it, but also everything they do now within the, the, the football is organised. Mm. So there's not a facility in there for a player to go and do his own thing. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. And I think that's the biggest single thing that we are missing. So they're playing with their we, own age groups in a in a league, and it's the in same a, in size. A, in a league, in yeah. a, I'm not a lover of same age football anyway, mm-hmm. because one year the player will be the best, one guy will be the best player, and the next year will be the best player. But yeah. when it comes to the crunch, we've got to go and play against the men, mm-hmm. and that's yeah. what the key is. We have to prepare our young players for going and playing men. Uh-huh. Winning's not important until you're an adult. Uh-huh. So well, you'll see lots the of development players, yeah. of the player mm. is more important. Yeah. Well, you'll see lots of players who'll get lots of caps at under twenty one level and then uh, never make the, it. And that's yeah. right. Well, that, and, and that's the point. Is that uh, I think it's very very important. And I was fortunate with going and, and doing. And sometimes, if, see if uh, when the electricians, if there were a strike, mm. where they would say like the electrician would play the engineers and you'd go over. And I'm no joking, these were no referees, no anything. You have to look after yourself, sure. you have to yeah. learn. Yeah. And uh, so I, I learned a lot from that. Yeah, I can imagine. So um, we'll skip forward a bit because that, that that's that's fascinating. Though. So then obviously there was the, the cup final against Celtic. Yeah, yeah. scored yeah, the first goal. Yeah. What was that like? Was that the pinnacle for, your, for you? Or? It, well, it was a big, big thing at that time. Sure. It was a massive, massive thing. Um, but got to be a lot of credit to the manager part of this, a, a guy called Dave McParland, who I actually played, his last season as a player was my first season as a player. Right. And he looked after me mm-hmm. when we'd been the young boy in the team. Yeah. And then he became the assistant manager and then he became the manager. 
So we had quite a decent relationship, mm-hmm. you know, and uh, he used to work uh, on me and Frank Coulson doing crossover runs and, mm-hmm. and, and the different bits and pieces. And he, he really brainwashed us prior. He worked on us. They will not live with you. You will be too quick. You'll be too strong. And and of course he'd be going and be saying that because we played with two wingers, mm. like, like, like Laurie and McQuaid, and they, he would be he was saying to them, "You'll murder their field backs. All they want to do is go forward, but you'll get at them." Mm-hmm. And he was saying the same to the midfield players. Mm-hmm. So he's went round and it, it, he, he, I think he was the key factor. Mm-hmm. And plus the thing is with Alan Ruff and goals. Which was a, a big, big thing. Sure. So with the safety net, and both our fullbacks were internationals. Mm. Alan had uh, Alan Hansen's older brother John, mm-hmm. and Alec Forsyth, who went to Man United. Okay. So that Patty Thistle team, I think, there was uh, four or five of us went on to play for Scotland mm. when we joined another club. Mm. So Which what is, you? So they were decent. Yeah, it was course, a decent side. Yeah, you'd, yeah have, you'd have to be, wouldn't you? But, but the Celtic team were decent. Of course, of course. <laughs> yeah, they had a pretty successful period just before that. Hadn't they? So what? I mean, what did you say? Uh, going at half time, you're four 0 up in the the, yeah. the League Cup final against just, Celtic. What did you say? We said, said? The, the thing is, we didn't want the half to stop. Yeah, <laughs> just keep playing. <laughs> just keep playing and then go for ninety minutes <laughs> because it was just like because you're going in and the one thing about going at half time and you're sitting down and it was. It was press surrealism mm-hmm, button was mm-hmm, happening here. Mm-hmm, it, it it really was. It was it was euphoric the first couple of minutes in the changing rooms and then it was a case of what we've done here. Yeah. It's gonna happen. Yeah. What, and what to uh, expect second so the second half became a little bit of an anticlimax for them for us because they obviously pushed forward to to get it. They scored one goal, but um I never ever felt they were going to score again. It was always comfortable because Alan would come and mm-hmm. pick out the ball and he had a couple of really good saves. But we threatened a couple of times as well. Mm-hmm. Um, so at the end, it was just uh, just something very, very special. Mm-hmm. And the thing about it is, is what Panthers had done is that they would, like five years, 10 years, 15 years, they kept having anniversaries. Right. They would use them as a fundraiser, which was quite rightly so. But what we were, we were a unit. Mm. We, we, we had three or four older guys but we had a, a bunch of us who were all in and around the same mm. age mm-hmm. so the real togetherness so and when you go and when, when we go and we have these meetings it's as if we'd played yesterday together yeah. you know and and that's underestimated in football a little bit the togetherness and yeah. because Camaraderie. if you go and you look uh, Jim McLean who was a fantastic coach manager is that Jim couldn't win the Scottish Cup because when push came to shove within these cup finals, there's got to be something that takes the players beyond the barrier to get right. them to go and win. Okay. There has to be some reason why. And you know, and, and we had it with the togetherness. Mm-hmm. We just wanted to go and, and, and get it. So it was a very, very special time. I can imagine, yeah, absolutely. So after that, so I'm just going to list three of the players. Toronto, you played? Yes, I played at Toronto, yeah. Hong Kong Rangers. Yeah. Uh, and then closer to home, uh, Norwich, Sheffield United, Celtic, Arbroath, yeah. St Mirren, 
and hearts. Yeah, it's yeah. quite a career. Yeah, I went. I was the first player sold from the Barrett Thistle team. Mm. After it, obviously. How, how quickly after we sold? Um, the final was in October, and I got sold in the February. Right. Mm-hmm. I went to Norwich at, at that particular moment in time when Thistle needed the money. That was the only bid that was in at that particular moment. Okay. And uh, I went to Norwich City and played Norwich and got promotion. Mm-hmm. And scored Norwich's first ever goal, which is now the Premiership. Right. Uh-huh. Yeah, the first game. Uh, yeah. The first game was against Everton. Mm-hmm. It was a one-all draw. Mm-hmm. And Joe Royal scored for Everton, I scored for Norwich. Right. Yeah, so... Was that was that hard for you? Had you always lived close to home to move? Yeah, or? I didn't even. I had to go and check where Norwich was. Right, <laughs> I no idea got a Norwich bit of a shock, was. did you? I, the, the night before I, I moved, went down. I went and I stayed actually at Dave Palance mm. and stayed there. And uh, he travelled down, and I, I had no idea. Mm. And the manager there was a guy called Ron Saunders who won the European mm. Cup with Aston yeah. Villa, yeah. Okay. who was a centre forward. So, I worked with the, the the other striker. There was a guy called David Cross, mm. who's a big big pal. Still pals yet. Yeah. And uh, he went on and, and won the FA Cup with uh, West Ham. Yeah, yeah. I thought that name right. And, uh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so. Um, so when you played for St Mirren, mm-hmm. you were one of Sir Alex Ferguson's last signings. Yeah, that, yeah. Um, I I was the last player that he bought, and. From uh, I think possibly maybe Campbell Money was the last player that he signed. Okay. okay. So was the um, so it was about six months you played for yeah, Sags, yeah, so yeah. Was a yeah. relegation and battle. It was just like the, the, the tail end of the season. Mm. Good players mm. and so I like that. He had drummed it up the supporters mm. and and were getting really really good crowds. Mm. Uh, you know, like Billy Stark played in the team. Mm. Tony Fitzpatrick, Frank McGarvey, wow. mm. yeah, some great know, players, and. Uh, Bobby Reed, mm-hmm. and so the only two experienced players was myself and Jack Copeland. Okay. Jack Copeland was at the back, and I was always at the front. And Lex uh, Richardson, really good players. Mm. Did you have a sense at that time that Sir Alex would go on to be the figure that he is in the game? No, it was impossible. I knew that he was going to have a successful career. I knew mm. he was going do well in the game but so he, he was already he already had a, a real presence about him at that time I'm, I'm guessing yeah. yeah see that that's a, that, that's the thing is that um, presence is the right thing because like when Jock Steen walked in the room no matter what you were doing or what you were saying mm. so mm-hmm. yeah and I, yeah. and I like had that yeah I like yeah. that and it's it's a big big thing um, I think for for the managers now is that They've got to have that presence. Now, that presence can be through different things. It can be a physical presence, like big Billy McNeil. Mm-hmm. Billy was that big, and they'd come in, and it would, like, it would be like a shadow across the room. And then there were <laughs> other people who weren't as, as big stature-wise, but they, they maybe had a great playing career. Mm-hmm. So there's got to be something to give the, the, the person that presence, and it can be in so many different ways. Mm-hmm. But uh, they have to have a presence. Because they have to capture the room when they walk in the room. Sure, got to command that respect. Got to command yeah. respect, and, yeah. and, and once they get that, then mm. it's, it's entirely up to them. Mm. So St Mirren were one of your your last clubs that you played for, and then you had a kind of you started your managerial career. Yeah, not uh, enough, well, no. to be fair, is that I've been, played at St Mirren, I've been assistant manager at St Mirren, I've been manager at St Mirren. So on and off, I'm just slightly over ten years right. okay. at, at St Mirren. And it was a fairly successful time. Mm. Um, 
we stayed up and then through the, when it was um, Jim Clooney came in and then Ricky McFarlane was the manager and we finished the highest ever in St Mirren's history in the league we finished yeah. third right and uh, w- there were maybe th- three four games to go and we went up to play Aberdeen at Petaudry and with a chance we beat Aberdeen we could have won the league mm. Aberdeen beat us 2-0 mm. and we ended up we finished third mm. And I remember going to Ibrox the last game of the season. Everybody says that's ah, end of season game, and we went. My we we beat Rangers four one Ibrox. Uh-huh. So I think that so Aberdeen won the league. And I think Celtic was second. We were third, and I think Rangers were fourth. Mm-hmm. So and that that was a that was a good Rangers side as well. Mm-hmm. We I think we would have won the league that that year if um, centre half Bobby Reid. He went to represent. It was a Scottish League game. They went to play a select against the Highland League select, and he got injured in, in his knee, mm. and he never played again. Right. And right. this guy was like six foot three, sensational centre half. Yeah. He, he wasn't just good at the defending set pieces. He was a eight to twelve goals a season guy, right. mm. and plus all the knockdowns and, and bits and pieces. Mm. And I, I think if he had stayed fit. I think someone could have actually won the league that year. Yeah. Mm. I think it was probably that would maybe be Sir Alex's first league win with Aberdeen. Right. I think that's right. Yeah. That must that yeah. must be great for it, you to see St Mirren doing so well again. It's fantastic. Yeah. Fantastic. Uh, I've been to a couple of functions um, at Paisley recently, and uh, I was really really impressed. Everybody was so positive in and around the club. The people I spoke to were very positive. And it was great because for so long, Simon had been in the doldrums and it was always doom and gloom. Um, but I was just very, very surprised the first time, the first function I went to where everything was just so positive, the energy mm. was good. Mm. And then the second one, it was there again, it was still going. And uh, and it, sh- it showed in the field this year. Mm, it showed in the field this year. But the, the, the management team are uh, a couple of guys who know what the game's about. Have had decent careers. Um, they obviously know their job in managing and coaching, and you've got to take your hat off to them. Mm. But play a nice style of football as well. Play a nice style of football, which is important, which is good in the eye. But uh, I, I, I think they're going to have to do a fair bit of recruiting mm. if I think they're going to mm. stay in the Premier League because. There's, there's quite a bit of work to be done there. Uh, sure, some tough opposition. Big uh, step up at the best of times. It's a massive so, step up uh, the, the, this year, I think, mm-hmm. because I think there was a big golf this year. You know, uh-huh. and uh, a bit interesting with, with this old playing Livingston, mm-hmm. contrasting styles. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so let's take another jump forward uh-huh. uh, to. I think it must be 1990. You get a phone call, D, or you see a, you see an advert. I see an advert. You see an advert in the paper. I apply for a job in Zambia. For, forget all about it, and then out of the blue, this it came in. Yeah, it, it seemed like an eternity. Yeah. For, so how long the, you, how, how long you'd been managing for at that point? Um. Well, I my first I left Hearts and I became player manager at Arbroath, and. After about six, seven games, I thought, going to have to stop because you're trying to manage on the field. Yep. Yep. And I was arguably the best player at Arbroath at the time. I right. come from the Premier League, but I wasn't playing anything like it. Mm. Plus, I wasn't managing because I was mm. trying to do both things on the field. So I decided to step back, okay. stop playing. 
and uh, then I left there and went became assistant manager at Alex Smith at St Mirren and then I was the uh, same at Dundee United mm-hmm. and then I became manager of Airdrie mm-hmm. so um, so you were managing Airdrie at the point when you see this this advert in a paper for a job yeah, I was two years at Airdrie Power Dynamos in yeah. Zambia, mm-hmm. which quite you wouldn't see often a lot of adverts in a newspaper for a managerial <laughs> job. A Zambian team would advertise in the Coatbridge advertiser. I don't exactly. I don't think he mentioned the team. It just okay, and I, and I just felt that it was a great opportunity. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. what was it that initially attracted you to that? Um, well, just the fact that I was looking to move on anyway. Okay, and. Uh, I just felt that it was the right time, and I thought we've been and playing in America, uh, playing in Canada in the American League, and then playing in Hong Kong and mm-hmm. travelling a lot. I thought I quite fancy this because um, doing all the, the courses and everything. I dashed a couple of times. Andy Rocks were like, I, I would like to go and go abroad and see could you organise to, to, to go somewhere to go and see how they do it mm-hmm. and so I'd went on a couple of trips there as well so I was quite keen on going and seeing how other people done things mm-hmm. um, but uh, when going to Zambia it was just a, a complete <laughs> yeah so what was the, what was your expectation like uh, well the thing about it is is that I'm a great believer in that if you're going anywhere new uh, you don't go in with, with your ideas, what you're going to do, mm. and knock the full building down and start building again. Mm. Is that you've got to go and look and see what's functioning all right. Yeah. And then because if it's not broken, don't mend it. Mm-hmm. So it, it was just a case of going and looking. Um, so what I'd agreed with them is that I would go and be sort of like uh, a technical. I can't remember what the title was but it was just basically to go and observe okay. for a couple of months okay. and have a look. Yeah. They said it was three months, they said, you go, and you go and you have a look, find out about the training, how they live, what the opposition, and go and have a look over three months. Okay. And then you, you would take over and then you would have a, bit, a better idea about recruiting and stuff mm-hmm. like that. So uh, when I went, the, the <coughs> The first first day I was there, the coach says to me, uh, prepare a session for tomorrow. Okay. So I did a session and then did another session and uh, the direct the, the chairman, the captain and the, the guy who was sort of interim coach and the four of us had a meeting and they says, No, we'll no wait for two months, you take over now. Oh really? So it was the case of takeover now. And the first thing that hit me was uh, the lack of organisation mm. and the lack of fitness within the players. Really? But they could play. Yeah. yeah. They could play. Like they pull things down out of the air, they would go and they would do wee clever things. Yeah. And yeah. the fact that you can't teach people how to play mm. and you can get people fit. It's easy to get people fit. Just run them, yeah. yeah. If need be, yeah. They were playing in the top level. Of They're Zambian playing in football? the Zambian league, yeah. yeah. They're playing in the, the, the Zambian league, and because the 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 one the, the cup the previous year, 
they were in uh, the African uh, Cup Winners Cup. All right. Okay. So they were so they were doing so they well, should say they're in, they're based in Kitwe in Zambia, aren't they? So yeah. that's kind of um, it's the north, that, north. Yeah. Outside, not the capital city either. Is probably so no, no, which is, and, yeah, yeah. So they're playing. Yeah, in but the north but of the Zambia. two teams who are the Rangers and Selkies are both the Kitwe. Right. Okay. It was in Canada, Red, Red Devils. Okay. And the Power Dynamos. There wasn't a, the big the teams in Lusaka weren't the big then. Okay. Although they are now because uh, Zanico become the more of it now and sure. Um but at that time the, the these were the two. Yeah. So they'd had some success, obviously, by winning. Yeah, the they, yeah, the they, they, yeah, they they the bits and pieces of success mm. throughout their career. And um the stadium's called Arthur Davis Stadium. Okay. It was after a, a Welsh guy who had worked in the who'd went and built the stadium and mm. and stuff like that. So and, what, and got involved in the football. What was the population of Kitwe? Do you remember? Uh, no, it was wasn't a part. It wasn't, wasn't a, a, You wouldn't say it was a mm. metropolis at all. Yeah. So I'm thinking now. I think Zambia's got about twelve million. Yeah. So, but it's bigger than the UK yeah. in terms of yeah, size. Yeah, that's right. But it wasn't a. You know, it wasn't a big, big place. Yeah. No, there wasn't a lot of places. Mm. To go eat or things like that. Yeah. So. So um, what did you? How did you adapt to that um, living living there? Well, when I first went, is what happened is that uh, I stayed in a guest house, and it was with the the other guys within the guest house was contractors who were overdoing jobs. Okay. Within the power department. From the UK. From yeah, okay. the, they were all sort of UK, and they were all sort of football minded okay. and, and stuff like that, and so that was the initial time. So because you were staying there, you were in this little bubble, and it was. Uh, and and the guest house was in a compound, mm. so everything was, so um, it was, it was great because like you just came, went to train, and it was easy because everything was there, and you knew it was didn't rain until October November. Mm. So you knew when the rains came, like you had to stop what you're doing. But Did the season, had, does that, the season that, finish the then? It's off season, uh, isn't it? Uh, no, they just have the, just this sort of similar time. Okay. Timeline then it did. Okay. So you knew you could plan mm. months in advance on what you were going to do and mm. how, how you were going to work and how you were going to shape the team. It was it was the fixtures that was the, the became the problem. Mm. The normal league fixtures and uh, the continental, the African tournament fixtures, they were all set. Mm. It was the local cups that became a problem. Okay. So we're going and and depending on where we're going, um, the I think it was the round before the before the quarterfinals when I went. So the we played one game and then got through and then that was more or less in the quarterfinals, and then they started to say, okay, well we'll have to go and acclimatize. <laughs> Because like all the different countries in Africa, this is the Cup Winners' Cup. Yeah, yeah. Some uh, some of the places are very very humid, mm. and then other places are bright. So what they used to do is sometimes they were one of the, the games that we played. I think it was a, the semi final. We were away for two weeks. Wow. <laughs> and we were away for two weeks to prepare for the final. Where so where were the in, in where were they played? Um, we played, Nigeria was the final because mm. they play at the capital city and it's it's home and away just the same. Okay, okay. And uh, the semi final was uh, oh no, it was uh, Burkina Faso. Right. Wow. Okay. So you're Burkina racking Faso. up quite a lot of and, and uh, mileage. The, the quarter final was Burundi. Uh huh. Right. You know, so it was quite a fair bit. Yeah. And were you were you taking a coach or were you taking flights? Oh, or? flights. Flights. It was flights. Uh, which is. Mm. <laughs> Talk about flights. Yeah. Um, when the, the times were going, and um, 
I was sitting and it just so happened that it was, there was me, the assistant coach and the captain of the, the, the team. And the captain nudged me and said, see that plane there? We've been on that. And it was just this old plane sitting. Mm. It says to save money, they ask, never ever. And so a couple of times they'd said to me about it, I went, no, no. Mm. And that's the one where the Zambian <laughs> master that was, that was the plane. It was just a plane that crashed. Oh, plane that just 1993, wasn't it? Yeah. 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 It was a big sat there. Mm. I wasn't that long home when that actually happened. Mm. So, so just for people yeah. who are unaware, so 1993 Zambia national team, the really successful generation of Zambian yes. players. Yeah. They'd beaten Italy four 0 in the yeah, that's right. Olympics. Uh, yeah. that, that was just prior maybe to four years, years or five years. Went, yeah. yeah. And uh, the captain of the team, he played, and it was them. It was them chancer. But mm. there's five of my team. Mm-hmm. Um, were, in that were killed mm-hmm. and the guy who was my assistant mm-hmm. Alex wow. Alex Stroller. and that was a real setback for that, that was, football, that, yeah that, that, that knocked him that knocked him mm-hmm. and one, one of the few remaining sorry he didn't fly with the national team Kalusha Boelia because yeah. he was uh, yeah, that's right. playing in, he, he was playing in Holland he was playing for Ajax yeah. wasn't he yeah, yeah. yeah. well he, he's been the president of yes. the football for a lot of years Kalusha yeah. uh, I don't know him I've never met him right. but he was very very friendly with the guy who was captain of the team Wisdom which was another thing when I first went, uh, is that uh, this guy was a hero. He mm. walked down the streets and the kids would go after him, mm. giving it wheeze. Yeah, you know, he was. He was. I think like he was voted man, man he, of the century. Yeah, and there was no money or anything like yeah. this guy. Like, he was just top man. Yeah, and uh, but he was really really good. So I sat down with him, and I just was myself. I brought in a guy who was my assistant coach, a guy called Alex Stroller, who was a really good guy. And I sat down and I said, look, guys, it's your team, it's your country. I'm just here to make you as, as good as you can be. Mm. Yeah, I think he's got talent, I think he's got ability, but we'll get some fitness done, we'll get, but we're all together. Mm-hmm. And these two guys bought into it. Mm-hmm. And um, just could see the team was improving. Mm-hmm. And because the team was starting to get better, fitter, more organised, and they were improving, they bought into it more and more, mm. and it was a big thing. And what you used to do is that the 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 bonus money they used to get paid after a game okay. in cash mm-hmm. for home games. Mm-hmm. They'd get paid out with the money that they took in, and they would pay them. And so what happened is that there was this thing every every two weeks at the, the, the whenever the home games were, is that the Tuesday before the home games they would come and say to me. You want to go out? Mm-hmm. And that'd give them some money. Uh, and But it was just five, six experienced guys. They would go and they would go. And then when they got their money, they would come back and they would pay back. And it just became uh-huh. it became a yeah. thing with us. Mm. Yeah. It became, uh, it actually brought us together mm. and, and helped to keep that bond. Mm. And it just be, became a, a little, it turned into a wee bit of joke. It was a mm. wee bit of fun. It was good. And uh, they were a very resi- they turned into a very resilient team. Mm-hmm. And uh, they had a guy who, Robert Watia Kenny was his name, he was a centre-back, six foot three. And they were playing this game and were batting the other team and this ball came and it sort of bounced up. He's under pressure. He does an overhead kick back to the goalkeeper for the halfway line. <laughs> <laughs> and, I, and I go, I used to call him Big Bob. And I say, Bob, uh, what was that all about? Oh, it's okay for all the attackers. I'm so bored. <laughs> <laughs> and they just overhead. I says, you don't do that. And it, no, 
oh, no, no, I don't do it in a game that but we were winning easy. I had to do something. <laughs> and <laughs> this guy could have played anywhere. Yeah. So you, you would have had him technique. at St. Mirren, for example. Yeah. yeah. The problem then is when I came back to Scotland, my problem was is that visas and getting ah, them in the country was sure. a problem work then. Permits, yeah. The work permits was a massive thing then and they couldn't do it. Mm. But I'd organised for wisdom. He went to South Africa. Okay. And uh, this guy, Robert, I'd organised him. He went to South Africa. So okay. I'd organised through my connections to South Africa okay. to get him because... They'd be going be 10, 20 times their salary yeah. in South Africa yeah. compared to, um, to, to Zambia, and it would have been even greater coming here. Because yeah. these two guys were outstanding. Yeah. And, uh, and the, big, the big thing is that they bought into it, mm-hmm. and, and, and that, that was a key. And we went a long, long period of time without losing. Mm-hmm. In so fact, so we won the league. And you won that the, in the season you were there. You won the league. Yeah, I'll tell you, the, the story is actually quite, but, uh, it's quite interesting. Is that what happened? Is that um, when we came back from one of the the, the cup games, or the, the the African cup games, what happened is that uh, we got contacted, and so what we had to do is that we had to play the quarter final of the cup on the Wednesday. So we played the quarter final of the cup on Wednesday, and won after extra time. Mm-hmm. Then we had to play the semi final on the Thursday. Wow. <laughs> One in penalty kicks mm. after extra time. And we had to play the final on the Saturday. Wow. See, so, so yeah, this is. When, I, I think you're hot when you're on a roll. But I thought, <laughs> I, I mean, we, did, we didn't. No, no, this wasn't the African. This was the local Zambian. Mm. And we lost in penalty kicks. Okay. In, in the cup. And I think yeah. they didn't want. Proud Dinos to win everything. Yeah. yeah. And it, it, so it would have been so, a treble if yeah. you'd. Uh... And then, so what happened is that we went and, and we played through and, and, and won. Some of the things that we've seen is that uh, they would go and there would be sort of stuff lying on the ground outside the, the changing rooms to go in. And, and basically, what it was, it was like chicken shit. Mm. And you walk through mm. it. That's the Mutu. Mm. That's bad okay. thing. Oh yeah, I was going to ask you about this. And so and then there would be markings on the goalposts and and, and stuff, and mm. there'd be all sorts of bits and pieces, yeah. and uh, the, 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 and then the would one. I think it was uh, it was in Burundi where they had the big sort of like brazier. You know the braziers you, you used to see the guys on the roads. Oh yeah, the yeah. big brazier, one of them, uh-huh. and uh, they had the dogs effigies. With the, our colours and we're uh-huh. throwing them uh-huh. as our players were going out mm. onto the field. But in the final, uh, the African Cup Winners' Cup, the, the first game in Nigeria, um, what happened is that um, we're in the tunnel and like the two coaches are there, and like I'm the only white person in the ground. The mm. complete stadium is a national yeah. stadium in, in Lagos at the time. So uh, we're going out. And then what happens is this guy sort of came from nowhere with a live chicken and a knife, slit the chicken's thing, and the blood all over. And this was like to do with the Mutu. Yeah. And I've looked around, and like we've got a couple of the younger ones in that, and you could see their eyes were like that, and oh, they were cacking themselves, you see. Yeah. So uh-huh. I've just got and just got a hold of them, right, got them all in. I said, like, look, forget about the Mutu, don't worry about that. Today, you're playing for Scotland, not Zambia. <laughs> so you're representing Scotland today. Forget all about that. Uh, and it calmed them down. So I led them on the field singing Flower of Scotland. Really? <laughs> Fantastic. Really. That, so I said, right, today you're playing for Scotland. And of course, 
they're all laughing at me going, oh, far is gone. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm looking around and they're all, so it's just anything to just try and yeah. get their mind yeah. off it. Yeah. And, and we went and... Um, Did you win that day? We, we lost that game 3-2. Ah. And then, so the second leg was at our home, but we couldn't play at our home stadium. It had to be the national stadium. Mm. Okay. And what used to happen there was that... Was that in Kitwe as well, the uh, national stadium? No, no. Uh, the national stadium was in Lusaka. It was in Lusaka. It was in Lusaka. So what, what happened there is that the players all have their own sort of... It's like a mini passport. Mm-hmm. So the, the club keeps... The, so what happens is that a member of the the back room from the opposition come in okay check the check the cards yeah, yeah, with the yeah, players yeah so um, my assistant always went and i said today i'll go <laughs> i'll go because i'm thinking some way for the trying thing with them just the so i go in so the guy hands me all the cards i look at the cards i look at the players and i went like that threw the cars down and said, play who you fucking want. <laughs> walked out and they were all, <laughs> they were all going berserk. They were all going berserk. And talk about resilience is that, so we go out and the game starts and uh, five minutes, they score. So, so it's 4-2 in aggregate. So it's 4-2 in aggregate. Uh, yeah. So our guys, you know, I'm at the side and I'm saying, come on. And they just went and they scored three. Yeah, yeah. scored three and ended up winning it and uh, that's the reckon that's the first time in, in a, a team from below the equator had ever won any of the African tournaments yes right. I did the research yesterday so, that's, so that was effectively the African Cup Winners Cup yeah and Power Dynamos became the first Southern African club to win yeah. a continental com- uh, trophy yeah and I think still are are they? Yeah. No, it, no no South no I think it's the only Zambian since, one yeah it's only Zambian yeah. one yeah so it was a big deal. They stopped uh, the the Cup Winners' Cup a few years yes, later. So now they've got the Champions League, yeah. haven't they? Yeah. So, um, but it, it was a big deal. Yeah. Ask you that. So more generally, um, what was the kind of setup of the club at the time in terms of the attendance? Was it a full? It was full time club in terms of they trained. Yes, it was full time club. Yeah. yeah. So what happened is that the the main stadium there, which was basically just scaffold, it wasn't anything spectacular, uh, and then then they had um, the the social club. Mm. Which was a big thing. The social club was there because that sort of made them money. So, the social club. and then on the other side, then uh, them went to the game. There was a wee car park, so there was a, pl- a pitch there. So that was a pitch that we did our training on, mm. and and it was decent. It wasn't great, but it was decent. What well, was, De- was it? A grass pitch. Grass pitch, yeah. yeah. So the the players would come to the same place, and and, mm. and then they would go. And they would go out and train. And sometimes we were preparing for a big game. We'd actually go in the main stadium. Okay. And um, so... What's the, att- what's the capacity like? Do you uh, it's not... A few thousand, was it? 50,000, something okay. like that. So it wasn't mm. a big, big stadium. Mm. Mm. I wouldn't like being in it with 15,000. Mm. <laughs> Busy. Because yeah. yeah. yeah, it it's basically just scaffolding. Yeah. yeah. Um, so the training... Part of it is that so you you could plan ahead and that was a big thing. Mm. So we knew we had that, but we got to win this game first in the mm. league. Mm. So what happened is that towards the end of the so after win got one it was a big deal. So what happened is that uh, Kenneth Kounda lost the election. Okay. He'd been just prior to us playing in the cup final. And he'd so been the first president. He, yeah, he'd, be, he'd been the top man. So mm. he'd lost to Chaluba, okay. a guy called Chaluba. And the first thing Chaluba says was that uh, 
we'll get rid of all the expats and we will mm. put Zambians in the main jobs. So I was high profile, so I was pulled in. Is that what it was? And I was one of the first ones that was said, mm. like, you'll be replaced by a Zambian coach. Wow. Okay, that's just your country, that's fine. I didn't have a problem with it. So uh, what happened then was that the guys that they'd said to me is that if Kunda had won it, he says, oh, he would have been... Yeah. yeah, because he he was in his football. Yeah, he was in his yeah. football and his sport in general. So this guy to be replaced. So um, it was a guy, not my assistant. The next assistant down, mm. they gave the job to. Because I reckon the assistant was too close to me. Okay. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So it was a case of well, um, in two weeks time. So after we went, the 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 Scotland got. The next day, we had to go to the, the presidential palace and get there, and they were taking photos without me in the photo. <laughs> wow. And I thought, oh, there's something wrong here. So yeah. I, I kind of brought it to a head a little bit earlier. Yeah. So then they said, right, okay, but with three games left this season, league games still to catch up. Uh-huh. And we only needed, I think it was uh, three points. Or two points. So we only needed one win out of three games. So the caretaker guy... He thought, Oof. and they play the first game and they get beat, uh-huh. and all sorts of rumours and bits and pieces are going. Then he gets beat the second game. Uh-huh. What are you thinking at this point? Well, I'm thinking, well, there were teams that they should have beat anyway. Uh-huh. So then, what happened was that some of the players came to my house. Oh, so you were still in the country? I was still yeah, in the yeah. country, yeah, yeah. Because, because Obviously, I'd spoke to the people from South Africa, so I thought, well, there's no point in going back to Scotland to fly back to South Africa. Uh-huh. I'll wait here, because yeah. mm. obviously there'll be a bad notice. So uh, the place had come and said, we need you to come and take the last game. I said, I can't do that. It's, it's not allowed. I just, I just can't do it. And uh, then what happened is that the coach guy who'd taken over, he's came mm. in my house. Right. And says, <laughs> I thought this was going to be a great opportunity for me winning yeah. the league in my photograph. He says, I says, but if they don't win, I'm finished. Mm-hmm. I says, shit happens. <laughs> I says, with all due respect, I says, I've did the bit. No, can you please come? No, no. I said, I'll, I'll bet the game, I watched the game. It was an away game, but it wasn't that far away. It was in, in Dola or somewhere. And uh, so I said, I, I'll come to the match, but I'm not doing anything. So I turned up to the match, so they're there, and uh, the captain's up pleading with me, and I said, right, I'll do it for use, but so let's go get the coach. So the coaches came, and I said, um, right, you don't come into the dressing room, you stay out of the way. And the only thing I did is that I just went in and said, after all the work you have done, everything you have achieved, why are you letting yourselves down? It doesn't matter who the manager is. You're letting yourselves down. Okay? So I expect this, expect you to do this, expect you to do that. And so I got a hold of the older ones and just go and make it a, a really, really good year. We made sure you couldn't win the cup. Mm-hmm. So go and win the league and then it embellishes the fact that you win the African Cup Winners' Cup and they won comfortably. Really? Yeah. They won comfortably. Yeah. It was, it was just the reassurance, mm-hmm. and um, I thought, well, 
the, the, the mentality and the way they are is that the mentality is quite fragile. You know, it's quite, it's quite fragile. They expect things to go wrong. Right. You know, they expect things to collapse and uh, things not to work out and stuff like that. So when, when anything happens, it's, it's, it's a domino effect. So you, it's just a case of reassuring, everything's fine, come on, just keep it right. Yeah. So yeah. the down tool's very easy. Uh-huh. So it was just a case of just getting them and they went and they won. And... So you didn't get a... You saw, I, I know you've got a winner's medal for I've the, got the cup, cup. Winner's cup medal, you never yeah. got one for the league. Never got one for the league, no. It's disappointing. Uh, no, just that's how it is. I know, but it's uh, no, Particularly when you got them over the line as well. Yeah, but see, yeah. But, but see I, I, I'm not one for them because... <laughs> sure. If, other things, though, I give them to my son. Right. Because I'm the type of guy who go and pull them out mm. and look at them. Mm. My son might do, they might show his pals, like, that's fine. Mm-hmm. He does what he wants, but... I'm not taking. Oh, I'll just show you this. Mm-hmm. That's that's my style. I don't do that. Mm-hmm. So, I can't but, think of many Scottish people that have got an African Cup winners' cup medal, though. No, no, no. <laughs> it's, I'm not joking. It's that size. I, uh, I remember. Yeah, yeah. It's yeah. that size. It's uh, it's very good. Yeah. So, so it was a massive. It was a it was a real big thing. It was a real big deal. Yeah. But just the circumstances surrounding with that election thing made it just clouded. It became a political thing, which politics and football don't mix. So, so when you're reflecting on it, the biggest things that were missing there were you, you talked about organisation yeah. and a focus on fitness. Yeah. Um, what would you think? What would you say were the biggest strengths of that team and the and the and the football culture there that you could bring? Yeah. You could take elsewhere back to Scotland or wherever. Yeah. Else? Well, the big thing about it is that they saw it as an entertainment. Uh-huh. They would rather go and go in a dribble, yeah. beat three, four players and fall over. <laughs> then going pass, 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 or pass, do a, or do an overhead kick back well, to the keeper. That, that's right. Yeah, <laughs> they they would rather go and nutmeg somebody than yeah. just kick the ball up the park. Yeah, they would do the thing, and the, the crowds would be. Somebody would I go and nutmeg somebody off. Yeah. Everybody in the place knows it happens because <laughs> yeah. it becomes a big thing. I used to, you know, and uh, it was a, it was a big big thing. So they they had they they've got that factor within them. They've got that thing where it's entertainment business. Yeah. And what I used to do, and I used to say to them, was right, that's fine. I'm not taking that away. But the back two thirds of the park, mm. no. Yeah. Front yeah. third, do what you want. Yeah. Yeah. Do what you want. And with two wee guys, they used to <laughs> call them, like, right, watch what I'm saying here, they used to call them the two Japanese, because they're two wee small guys. Okay. Mm-hmm. And they, they were the wingers. Okay. So when we played the, the two wingers, these two would play. And they were both lightning quick, and they both had a wee trick. One of them got killed in the plane crash, yeah. another one was sort of coming later to the end of his career. And they, they, they would go and they, oh, they could dribble. Uh-huh. And uh, we, we had a, a, a big striker who was very, very good in the air. Very good in the air. Target man. Yeah. Target man. Mm-hmm. And uh, I used to laugh there because you know, his nickname was, the, the players would call him, Black Box. Okay. Good, good near. Right. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So, uh, we we could change it yeah. to go back to front because he was so good, but he also had a fantastic touch. Mm. But he wasn't particularly mobile. Mm. So we knew against teams where they're going to be part in, we, we could play him. Yeah. Uh, and then we had another couple of guys who had good movement we could play. So mm. we we didn't play the same all the time. Mm. Because well, they were the best, but they wanted to entertain. Yeah. Uh-huh. Now, going and winning a one nothing 
and hanging on. That didn't, that didn't suit them. Yeah. They would go and try and get the 2 0. And that, that, and did, did, that did, did you enjoy that or did that frustrate you a little bit? Uh, it frustrated me uh, from the point of view is that when it's 1 0 and there's only 10 minutes to go, mm. you've got to see the game out. You have to be mm. professional, see the game out. Now, if there's a half an hour to go, I don't mind. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But yeah. once it comes to that time, you've got to manage the game. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. You know, there's no point in going and, and, and trying to win 2 0 and ending up 1 1. Yeah. And what happens is if you lose one that goes 1 1, you're then giving them it could end up two one against. Mm-hmm. So it was just I said like by all means entertain, but look at it and think more about it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So yeah. and and because I was so close with the captain, and uh, there would just be a wee thing with him and he would go and. So you're kind of, you're you're containing that sort of maverick urge and you're channeling it channeling, rather than having it, it happening all there's over a, the field. There's and, a time when you do it and there's a time and yeah. that was a big thing yeah. about the organisation. Yeah. Yeah. qualities Paul would drop out the sky and it could just instant it was incredible yeah. this, is, this is one thing he, I not good header so the ball apart for the, <laughs> the, the, the striker the two, the two centre backs and the striker uh-huh. were the only three could head a ball uh-huh. yeah. Yeah. they were the only three could head a ball which is because what they do is they make the ball Yes, the chimbombas. The chimbombas. Yeah, they they yeah, make yeah. them up with this yeah, string with and the plastic bags yeah. and uh, they burn, right. burn it around the uh, newspaper. Uh, so it's keep you up and stuff like that. Yeah. You know, so it's not for heading. So yeah. So I was going to ask you about. So when I've been lucky enough to go out and watch some of the Zambian football, they're technically so good. Oh, very the good. First touch is fantastic, and yeah. they're playing in bare feet a lot of yeah. the time, and they're playing with the chimbombas, the plastic balls, and they're playing on. Uh, Gravel, you know, yeah, essentially gravel. gravel, and their feet and are rock feet. hard. Uh, yeah, yeah, and um, they're so good, they're so quick and strong. What is it that you know sets them back when it comes to? Because I remember Pele said that he thought an African country was going to win the World yeah. Cup by two thousand, and clearly yeah. that hasn't happened. Yeah. But why isn't Africa? Because they play well, it so much. When when I was setting up for recruiting, is that the two guys came in on trial, and. We played the trial with the bare feet. Mm. And I'd said to the coach who was organised that, you'll have to put boots on because they can't play. It's against the rules. So it put boots on them and one of them just couldn't handle it. Mm-hmm. But the other one could. Okay. But he'd never had boots. Okay. Uh-huh. So we actually signed him. Right. And he went, but he was for the future. He was just one that would sign prior to... Me, me leaving but it, it couldn't play because mm. that's so, and a lot of them are like that mm. they, 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 they can't play the, the regulation mm. so although they're playing a lot of football it's a, it's, it's a different kind of football no, no. without as you, as you say barefoot with a different kind of ball yeah. and the but the big ma- the matches within their villages mm. are sensational yeah, yeah. yeah it was, it's, it's, it's just wasteland mm. yeah like and there no markings uh-huh. There's a made up goal. Yeah. Sometimes some... I've got a goal, but yeah. sometimes it's just wood knocked yeah. in and yeah. and uh, and some of it's incredible. Mm. Some of it's incredible to watch. Uh, because I used to go to the villages a couple of times, like but I always took the boys with me, mm. one or two of the guys, because mm-hmm. they they were well known, so and they used to go and, and, and just go and watch and their ability. Oh dear. So would you ever I know you afterwards you went to South Africa and you had a stint in South Africa, yeah. but did you ever have the urgency to go back to 
managing in Africa after because you went back to Scotland again, didn't yeah, you? Yeah, it, it's never ever really cropped up, mm. but uh, I, I wouldn't have bothered me one little bit. Yeah. And the thing is, is that uh, because of my time there and the travellers we used to go and do, uh, there was there certain countries I wouldn't go to. Okay. Certain countries I wouldn't go to, and then there are countries I, I would say, yeah, I agree. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so, well, thank you so much for joining us. That's been yeah, fascinating. Yeah, 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 it's been I, great. You clearly got a, a great fondness for, for your time loved there. Yeah. Absolutely. It, it was, uh, it helped me grow as a coach and as a person as well. Mm-hmm. Because, like, uh, these guys had nothing, and they were stars. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And they'd no opportunity there was no opportunity for them to go and to do something at the stage I went in they could they couldn't uh, do anything and the two do I managed to go and get sort of, uh, they were going and uh, if they were flew direct from South Africa to where they were playing they would have been fine but then they made them go all the way back to Zambia and then go in this plane so there's lots of ifs and buts mm. but uh, it's the one thing I, I always went to I've never been back and it's one thing I said, like, I have to do, I have to go back. Because I think they've got a monument outside the National Stadium. Right. In Lusaka to, mm. to the players. Yeah. Mm. yeah. And then uh, with the boy, uh, Rennie, he, he went and he, he won the African yeah. to Half, Nations Half, Cup. Rennie Harvey. Rennie yeah. Harvey, yeah. yeah. Is he managing Morocco now? He's Morocco, yeah. Uh-huh. He's Morocco now. Well, he went and uh, that was sensational. Mm. Because it was in the yeah. country where the plane went down. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, you know... The Africans would tell you that's the Mutu. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's the Mutu. Yeah. Right, it, was, it was great that synchronicity that, that happened there because it's, it, it brought the story into people's eyes who'd, mm-hmm. who'd never heard it before. I'd, I'd never knew anything about it yeah. until 2012. Yeah, and that's that story, and, and you have you almost had the whole world willing them to do it. That's right. Which is great, and uh, great that they did. That was mm-hmm. fabulous. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Jimmy Bone, thank you so much. You're welcome. So thanks again to Jimmy for coming and joining us on the podcast. Um, I think we could have talked all morning, all day, all week with him about that. Uh, really just scratching the surface of his, his career there, skating through, not wanting to jump ahead, but we knew what was coming. So we wanted to get to the to the Zambia story there. Uh, fascinating guy, really, really nice guy to talk to as well. Um, and, and great stories. Mm. I yeah. think you're right. We probably could have spent a whole podcast talking about his career in Scotland, and there'd probably yeah. be people <laughs> yeah. that were like, "Why aren't you spending more talking, more time talking about some of those yeah. adventures and his time managing in Scotland?" But yeah, personally, I, think, I, I, I had a lot of questions around that sort of late eighties uh, time period when he was in, in management in Scotland. Remembering, I was trying to figure out if we we're in the same division mm. as teams he was managing. Um, so we'll maybe get him back on again to talk about the more Scottish football side of things uh, further further down the line. Mm. Uh, so yes, thank you very much to to Jimmy. The uh, the big thing we're going to talk just in the outro, use this opportunity window of opportunity to talk about is our new membership structure at Supporters Direct. So people that listen to the podcast might have some interest in the kind of the areas and often a lot of our podcasts around ownership and governance. So we now have a new opportunity for people to become more formally involved in our own structure that's right i mean up up until now we've had formal membership for for groups mainly mainly supporters trusts or maybe exclusively supporters trust paying an annual fee to be part of of our organization what we're doing this summer is we're moving to a new model where we're we're reducing the price of that group membership um 
uh, and it's and it's open to, to to any constituted supporters group, whether they're a trust, whether they take another form or, or not. But we're also opening up membership to individuals. Um, we don't have a set uh, membership fee for that. It's going to be on a pay-as-you-like basis. So whatever you can afford, whatever you think it's worth to support the organisation and to allow us to, to continue doing the work that we're doing. Um, at the same time as, as making that membership structure open to, to, to individuals, um, we're going to keep everything available for free. For those who, those who can't afford to pay or don't want to pay, for whatever reason, uh, we respect your opinion. Uh, and we actually want the work that we do to be as widely known as possible. So all of our publications will still be freely available on our website. Um, the podcast will still, still be freely available. The videos that we do, all the other sort of opinion pieces that, that, that go out through both the Supporters Direct Scotland website and the Scottish Supporters Network uh, site and any other uh, work that we do. We'll try and make that as freely available as possible, and you're welcome to continue uh, accessing that on a on a on a gratis basis. Yeah. Um. But it does take money to run the organisation. It does take money to do the kind of work we do, and the more money we have coming in, frankly and bluntly, the more of that work that we can do. So we we would appreciate it, um, if you're in a position to do so to to help us out, uh, and literally the the smallest donations will be as va- valued equally as the as the largest. Yeah. Absolutely. So we're doing it through a system called Patreon um, and basically to be considered uh, a full individual member, you just need to make whatever payment you like um, per week. I think it was per week or per month. Per, per month they normally work yeah. on. Um, so per month, sorry. So per monthly um, contribution to our work that can be as big as small as you, you want, but it needs to be something basically yeah. um, but uh, you're absolutely right Alan that it doesn't matter how big or small it is it will be valued to, to what we're doing um, and you know it, it, it will really help us develop what we're doing and, and make it more sustainable as well yeah. in terms of in that sense so yeah. anything at all is, is hugely valued if you get any sense of enjoyment from listening to the <laughs> podcasts or any value from it even if it's just you know best practice or hearing from a range of different guests um, then please do consider contributing yeah in addition to the warm glow you'll get from knowing that you're supporting us and the work that we do, uh, it also opens up um, the, de- the democratic side of our organisation yes. to, to individual members. Previously, um, to be elected onto the board of Supporters Direct Scotland, you'd have to be an office bearer in one of our member trusts. Um, but if you're an individual member who's paying something, anything, um, then it's open to you as well, uh, that, that route. So if you people's time is limited so if you don't have time to be involved in two organizations um you can be involved in supporters direct scotland through your individual membership yep absolutely so um as you say the nice glowy stuff that you're helping further fan involvement and and just kind of get get more best practice stuff out there but also if you want to be more formally involved in what we're doing the election process you're open to contribute to the new working groups we're going to have set up in place that you can contribute to um but also a- access to our events for free. So whenever That's we right. have the support of summit, you get in- into that for free. Yeah. So a few perks, um, but uh, yeah, uh, hopefully that's enough incentive, but uh, uh, please do feel free to visit the website for more details, which is um, supporters-direct.scot slash membership. Perfect. So thanks for listening. Um, thanks for tuning in. Um, we'll bring you more fascinating topics like the ones you've heard today um, next week. All the best. Behind the Goals is a Supporters Direct Scotland podcast. You can get in touch with the show by emailing behindthegoals at hotmail.com or you can also tweet the show at SupDirectScott. That's S-U-P-P Direct Scott. (laughs) 